Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm James Courtney. Tony Delberto. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now, here's your host, Craig Revell. V8s prepare for Perth. Well, we've had a uh, Winton and New Zealand weren't flash for us, so we've got to come out at, uh, at Perth firing on all cylinders, do a better job. And the Director of Motorsport discusses the rule changes for the rest of 2014. I don't expect sympathy, um, nor do anyone in my team. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Here's the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Nissan heads to Perth as the only manufacturer who is yet to win this season. The Kellys are keen to turn it around as engine upgrades are coming online. Going to be the focus for Perth is to again try and qualify, uh, qualify well in the top ten and have good, good qualifying pace, but more importantly really focus on converting that into uh, into better race results but I can't wait to get there, it's a track I've always enjoyed and um, and uh, if you make any mistakes there you spend the race watching it from the sand trap so it's it's one of those places you need to push really hard but uh, be uh, smart about where you do it especially in the race. Holden has re-signed Red Bull, Roland Dane spoke about the importance of continuing their partnership. I'm really pleased to, to see uh, Red Bull have, have uh, ordered a fleet of Holdens, um, Captivas and, and VF Commodores recently, that uh, uh, certainly helps validate the relationship of bringing everyone together under, uh, you know, under the 888 uh, Red Bull Racing Australia banner. So um, it's working off track, but um, on track still the real thing that, uh, uh, that we're all about, winning on track and, and hopefully continuing to get results and championships. Simon McNamara, the head of Holden Motorsport, spoke about having the multiple champions back on board. It's a massive deal for Holden and Red Bull Racing, but more so for us because what it means is that we get to go forward with one of the world's biggest brands, probably arguably the best race team going around at the moment and uh, just continues our commitment to Vout Supercars. Jamie Wincup discussed his thoughts on what it means to stay with Holden. There's no bigger bigger brand, there's no no better Aussie icon than uh, than Holden and the red line. And uh, we, uh, we, we pride ourselves aligning, uh, we pride ourselves in our team to align ourselves with the best brands and the ones that want to be, uh, be market leaders. So um, the announcement this morning that, that Holden's on board for, uh, for the extended period and move on to the next era of Viet Supercar Racing is, is fantastic for us. And um, although my deal ends at the end of next year, hopefully I can continue on and, uh, and be with Triple Eight and, and represent the Holden brand for a long time to come. Jason Bright is continuing his extracurricular activities now being signed to drive with Brenton Ramsey in the Carrera Cup Pro-Am at Phillip Island over the May 24-25 weekend at the Shannons Nationals. 
Bright is one of a number of V8 supercar drivers who are firm for the event, including main game regulars Tim Slade, Nick Perkett, Dale Wood and New Zealand star Scott McLaughlin. Damian White has spoken to the V8 Insiders about his year so far from the perspectives of the motorsport director. The, the proximity, how close it all is. We've done that with a technical um, group of five people. To put that in just some perspective, NASCAR's technical centre has 65 staff. So I'm incredibly proud of the, the people that we've got working at V8 Supercars in all of the departments. But the guys that have delivered on the technical front have been pushing a whole lot of work out the door and I mean, the results we're seeing, the timesheets we're seeing, it, it's a phenomenal platform and any new manufacturer come in with full confidence knowing that if, if they do it right with the rules that are available, they have every chance of winning. You can hear more from Damien White on this week's White Flag Lap. Erebus has confirmed Craig Baird for the Enduros with Lee Holsworth. Now, the pair had a strong performance in last year's Pertec Endurance Cup, and they're confident that they can improve those results this year. Of course, the Davison brothers will team together in the other Erebus car. V8 Supercar CEO has said that the Geelong Street Race does sync with V8 Supercar's strategy for more Australian racing in the series. The Age reported last week that Geelong Mayor Darren Lyons is believed to have had preliminary talks with V8 Supercars and is keen to pursue the opportunities for the second largest city in Victoria. And finally, V8X magazine is out now looking at HRT's 25 years in Australian motorsport and how their new look management team is going to lead them back to the top. Also, don't forget the V8X exclusive columns from Mark Winterbottom, Mark Larkham and Gary Rogers. V8X magazine, it's on sale now at all good news agents and for a digital download, go to v8x.com.au. That's the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range today at www.nobrac.com.au. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from Inside Motorsport, it's Peter Norton. Good evening, Peter. Hi there, Craig. And from Wakefield Park, Lachlan Mansell, where Lachlan, this weekend, the Superchuck Champions, the Australian Championships, are being held and plenty of racing going on in the Southern Highlands at the moment. Yeah, good day, Craig. Good day, Peter. It's going to be a pretty busy weekend for me. Commentate all day, Saturday and Sunday, the Super Trucks here at Wakefield Park, and then rush home each day in time to watch the V8 Supercars from Perth, which I will have recorded. 
Yes, it's going to be uh, an interesting weekend, to say the least. There, a lot of talk about tyres going into this event and how they might stand up in the Western Australian... Uh, well, what I'm hoping for is heat, considering it's so cold here, as all three of us are from the same region in the Southern Highlands ACT. Yeah, it's something that we always talk about with the Barbagallo's circuit, isn't it? Because it's such an abrasive surface and uh, a lot of sand tends to get blown onto the track as well and that really does uh, provide quite a high degradation surface for the tyres and with the soft compound tyres in use this weekend, tyre management's going to be absolutely critical as it always is in Perth. Peter? Well, yes, and, and the other thing is that... Um, it's the little things that make such a big difference over there because it is a relatively short uh, track. The, the lap times are going to be very, very close. And, uh, yeah, the, if you can get that just that little fraction during qualifying to get up the front, uh, it'll make your life much easier. And, of course, uh, one thing about it is we see the Super Sprint format once again, but the place that was the birthplace of the AZ boards is no longer, Peter. No more AZ boards in V8 supercars. It's been an interesting uh, experiment, hasn't it, trying different things to uh, create that excitement of uh, restarts. Um, in some places like Adelaide, obviously, it created too much excitement. Um, and, yeah, it's high maintenance. There's so many things going on during a restart, uh, so many things that can go wrong. Uh, and, in some respects, karma heads have prevailed, and we've just gone back to just a simple, basic restart like we've always had. Yeah, it is a little bit disappointing that this year it offered so much with those double-file reset lockies that they did have to eventually change them. That's right, particularly, as Peter said, we saw in Adelaide with some carnage there when they went with the acceleration zone restart protocol. Um, in the end, they've had to wide it back to the more conventional single-file restart, but I think that the drivers do have a bit to answer for with this as well. As we've seen at the Winton 300 endurance race over the last few years, which starts with a double-file restart, we don't seem to have any trouble getting 50 cars of all different shapes and sizes through turns one and two at Winton without drama. So you would think that 20... What if we got 25 professional V8 supercar drivers should be able to get through a sequence of corners without contact? Then I suppose it is professional motorsport and there is a bit more at stake in the V8 supercars. But uh, the other thing too, of course, is that in this economic climate, the teams in any form of motorsport can't really afford to be tearing up cars and constantly repairing them. So um, it's, I suppose... You have to weigh up the pros and cons of the spectator entertainment versus the economic factor for the teams, and in the end, probably the economic factor of not unnecessarily bending sheet metal has prevailed. Mm. Now, of course, what we have seen is Red Bull a bit off at the last two races, to say the least, and uh, talk about Ludo Lacroix going to Perth to try and help fix their ills. Peter Norton, it's a very interesting situation, remembering that Craig Lowndes got his, uh, well, record-breaking win at Perth last year. Yes, uh, isn't it funny how uh, some teams can wobble around mid-pack, lost in the wilderness for years, and uh, other teams can have two rounds where they're uh, just a little bit off, and it's headlines. Um, yes, 
Uh, we just have to go back to Tasmania, where Red Bull were the class of the field. They had a healthy margin over everyone. But, um, well, the results don't lie. They have uh, lost the plot somewhat in the last couple of rounds, particularly uh, uh, you know, Jamie Wincup. Um, everyone's asking questions about has the change of uh, engineer for Jamie you know, caused that much uh, uh, damage to, to their, their speed. Um, I think you're, you're spot on, though. Uh, they go back to a place where they uh, know the setups very well. Um, they've had a lot of success there over the years, and I think straight out of the box the cars are going to be good, and um, I, I would expect about Wind Cup to be right at the pointy end again. Mm. What about you, Lucky? Well, I think one of the things that we need to remember is that Red Bull Racing, Triple Eight Motorsport, they have had the odd, you know, off rounds in the past, but one of their hallmarks has been their ability to bounce back. And both Win Cup and Allows were in a fairly similar championship position around this time last year, so I'm certainly not writing them off yet. But I think one of the things that we do need to take into account is the improvement from Ford Performance Racing and Mark Winterbottom in particular because he's driving extremely well this year. In previous seasons, we've, we've seen that he's had the odd, really, really good performance, but then he's backed that up with some inconsistencies this year. He's driving a lot more disciplined and a lot more consistently and really shaping up to be a genuine championship contender. Yeah, and uh, Lockie, interestingly, we have a, a situation where Brad Jones Racing has been extremely consistent, but... Uh, they can't be ruled out at any stage with Fabian Coulthard. And we've got the wild card in the pack with what could Volvo do here? Yeah, and also the Holden Racing Team with James Courtney, who's had a very good start to the season as well. So it's shaping up to be a really competitive championship, and that's what we need in V8 supercars. We need a situation where we go to every event not knowing who's going to win, whereas in the last couple of years, you've been able to narrow down the list of contenders at any given race meeting to a list of four or five names. Now it's 10-plus at every race meeting has a chance of standing on the top step of the podium. Peter, you've had a, an interesting observation where you're saying, just like last year, the racing is better, but you feel that the interest out there in the general population is waning. Well, that's spot on. Uh, people like ourselves and most listeners would be quite passionate about V8s. They go out of their way to uh, see what's going on. But the general conversations with you know, friends and acquaintances, um, it's not Bathurst, so they're really not interested yet. Uh, and I find that a little bit sad because the show was better than ever. Uh, the car of the future did re reshuffle the, the whole pack. Um, you know, it's people who uh, were a little bit lost under the old car have you know, come to the front, and new manufacturers. There's a lot going on, um, great variety in who's winning, but it's not getting through to Joe Public. They're not paying attention to the fact that um, we've got young fellas winning for the first time. We've got new manufacturers. Um, you know, they've all had a win now. Um, yeah, they're not paying attention, and I don't know how the sport can address that. Mm. What's your thoughts, Lockie, on the cut-through situation? Mm, it's an interesting one, and I suppose I'm at a slightly different position on the coalface, so to speak, in that I'm dealing with a lot of club-level and grassroots motorsport competitors. But from the people who I talk to who are just sort of casual observers or not really passionate motorsport fans, I'd go as far as to say that Formula One, amongst the 
the fringe dwellers, if you like, has probably overtaken the V8 supercars for popularity. We had, obviously, that period there where Mark Webber was going very well and he's now been replaced with Daniel Ricciardo going extremely well so far this season. At least, uh, you know, the, the best of the runners behind the seemingly unbeatable Mercedes entries in the Formula 1. And I think that's probably increased awareness of that overseas level of motorsport amongst the general public, whereas V8 supercars... Um, yes, there's new manufacturers. Yes, there's probably more different potential winners than there's been before. But, yeah, like you say, it just doesn't seem to have had that cut through. The other point that I'd raise here is in terms of mainstream media exposure, Channel 7 know that they're not going to have the rights to the sport next year. So you just have to question, are they giving it as much prime-time news coverage as what maybe they have in the past? Yeah, it's an interesting one, and really only someone like Media Monitors uh, will give us an answer to that at the uh, uh, at the end of the year when the uh, V8 Supercars get their uh, information back. But it's going to be one that I think a lot of people will look at much closer over the uh, course of this year, for sure. We need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders, but plenty more when we return. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Uh, it's Peter Norton and Lachlan Mansell joining me, Craig Ravel. And, and guys, uh, a couple of stories that have come up this week. Uh, Holden, continuing their commitment to Triple Eight. And uh, Lockie, last year, of course, you were working quite closely with Holden Motorsport in your role on the uh, PR side of the fence. What does this actually mean that Holden have secured Red Bull to... Uh, being able to sell more Holden cars? Well, I'm not working for Holden Motorsport anymore, so it means I can say whatever I like now, doesn't it? Um, yeah, well, interesting to see that Holden have renewed their backing of Triple Eight Motorsport and announced that. I think uh, what's also very interesting is that they haven't yet announced any uh, re-affiliation with the factory team, the Holden Racing Team, Walkinshaw Racing Beyond the uh, end of this season so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that one Peter interesting to see who gets the uh, biggest slice of the pie too well I've been fascinated over the last at least two years um, some of the little little throwaway comments from uh, Red Bull Racing uh, where they've led people to believe with careless little remarks perhaps um, that they are the factory team that they are the team that um, is the true Holden team, and that other one, well, yeah, they're back in the field somewhere, so they don't matter. And um, yeah, maybe that's that conditioning of the uh, the public and the executives uh, at Holden to make sure that Red Bull get the funding. Yes, it's uh, well. You said careless. I don't think anything that's said out of the Red Bull camp is ever careless, and. Uh, it, 
it would be interesting to know if the move to get Holden to sign is because we've seen a lot more rumours lately, Peter, about the sixth manufacturer and perhaps Holden wanted to secure Red Bull uh, before anyone else got to them. Well, exactly. Um, you know, Red Bull have a lot of international connections, of course, uh, and uh, you know, Triple Eight Engineering. Um, you know, they're, they're somewhat related companies around the world. Do a lot of motorsport with other brands as well. Um, so, if you were another manufacturer, you'd be silly not to give Roland a call, wouldn't you? Um, so, yeah, I think that uh, I think there is merit in what you're saying that uh, uh, Holden want to secure their uh, relationship. They've, they've got a good property there. Um, and, of course, there were the rumours uh, the last couple of weeks about uh, will um, uh, Erebus stick with Mercedes or would they jump to Volvo? Um, so that, that whole landscape there could become uh, just as interesting as the driver market over time about uh, which manufacturer is doing deals with who. Mm, well, Lockie, a thought from you before I ask you about Ford's involvement. Yeah, very interesting, wasn't it, to hear those rumours about uh, Erebus changing to Volvo, which were pretty um, categorically denied by Ryan Madison, there, the CEO of Erebus Motorsport. Um, and, yeah, I think Peter raises a valid point. Triple Eight has been by far Holden's best-performing team since they changed to Holden, really, back in 2010. So pretty important for Holden to secure them once again to make sure that they keep scoring results for Holden at the front of the field. Mm, of course, uh, that moves me on to Ford. They haven't committed yet. When do you expect an announcement, Lockie? Uh, good question. Um, and to be honest, I, I really don't know what the answer is to that one because... We know that Ford won't be manufacturing cars in Australia for too much longer. We don't know yet uh, what the replacement will be for the Falcon in terms of a car that would be suitable for racing in the V8 supercars, and we don't know what Ford's marketing budgets are like and how they're distributed between motorsport and their other involvement in other forms of sport in Australia, such as their sponsorship of the Geelong Cats in the AFL. So... Yeah, really good question, that one, and really don't know the answer. Mm. And I have to say, Lockie, I, I think the Geelong Cats sponsorship is going to be the last thing that Ford would ever pull out of because at the moment it is the longest sporting sponsorship in the history of sport. So it's something that I know Ford and Geelong are very proud of, and um, un unless there was some financial crisis, you would think that Geelong is going to uh, stay with some sort of Ford branding for some time to come. Yeah, I think that's right, and that's also a good point, isn't it, of where car manufacturers see the value in their various sporting sponsorships, the fact that there's the possibility that um, sponsorship of another sporting code could actually take priority over motorsport sponsorship. Mm. And, of course, uh, Gary Rogers, Peter Norton, in the last V8X magazine, talked about how he sees the future of sponsorship in motorsport being with non-automatic brands, uh, non-automotive well, brands, sorry. Yeah, and uh, I mean, that's something that uh, you know, NASCAR have always, uh, I think, have been proud of and have had that diversity. Um, you know, we've got, uh, over the years in NASCAR, some of the, the cars sponsored by washing powder companies and uh, soft drink companies and beer and you know, all of those other things... Uh, and uh, it just it spreads the opportunity uh, for 
for, for your sponsorship. You're not beholden upon just a, a, a more narrow industry. Um, now, of course, all of those other industries have had uh, some lean times and uh, sponsorship and uh, marketing dollars that are hard to come by across the board, but having a sport that is attractive uh, for those other things uh, has to uh, improve your chances. Um, coming back to the uh, the Ford sponsorship of Geelong, though, um, headlines, um, I think it was today, uh, about the size of Ford's uh, trading loss in Australia, um, following on from uh, Holden's reported losses. Um, now, sometimes we have to take those reported losses with a grain of salt. Um, we've seen... Uh, you know, companies like Google and Apple not paying a whole lot of tax in Australia because they shift their profits around the world. Um, so I'm a little bit cynical uh, about the reported uh, figures, but I'm worried nonetheless that uh, they're not trading particularly strongly and uh, dollars are hard to come by. Um, I, I agree that the uh, you know, Geelong Cats is uh, something that they won't give up in a hurry, um, but Ford don't seem to be leveraging uh, performance or the sporting side of their vehicles uh, in any of their marketing. Uh, whereas you could see with Volvo, but even before they signed with Gary Rogers, um, they were promoting the fact that they raced elsewhere in the world. Um, we don't see that from Ford. They're very quiet about their motorsport involvement lately. Mm. And one thing that's not mentioned often these days, Peter, is the fact that Ford withdrew their sponsorship from... Uh, the Australian Tennis Open because of the influence of Howard Marsden and the importance he placed on the motorsport and was able to influence the company to take that money and put it into the uh, the motorsport program as opposed to keeping it in a tennis program. And for so many years, Peter, we just haven't had a leader in Ford motorsport. Well, that's right. You, you need someone within the company that's uh, a champion of the cause. Uh, and... Yeah, maybe they've done uh, research internationally and uh, they just don't have that, that same passion. They don't think there's a return on their, their marketing investment in terms of sales. And uh, yeah, maybe they want to spend it somewhere else where they get a, a bigger bang for their buck. Lockie, do you have an opinion on that? Yeah, and I, I mean, this sort of comes into the question, doesn't it, about should manufacturers have input into the cars and series? And I suppose one of the things is there has to be relevance between the cars that are raced in the series and the road-going versions of the cars for the manufacturers to be interested. So from that perspective, yes, the manufacturers do have to have some input into the cars within the series. But in saying that, you can't open it up too much for the manufacturers to have too much input because then you end up with parity issues and we're already starting to see a few signs of that within the V8 supercars this year. And in fact, uh, Damien White and I talk on the white flag lap more about parity in V8 supercars uh, coming up in a little while. Um, it's, it's an interesting one, though, because uh, Simon McNamara said this week they wouldn't run a uh, cruise with a V8. They want to run cars that they sell in their configurations that they sell, Peter. Well, that makes a whole lot of sense, doesn't it? Um, the, the general public aren't naive and, and dumb. Uh, the, 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 they'll work out the difference that um, you know, a four-cylinder car that you can buy, there's no V8 available on the option list. Um, so what they're racing is just a fabrication. 
um, you know, we need to have those connections between uh, what they see racing and what they see in the, the showrooms. Mm. And, of course, Lockie uh, is also very interesting. One of the other things that has been talked about, and I think at the beginning of this year, maybe late last year, we saw the first reports that V8 supercars were thinking about just becoming supercars and dropping the V8 tag, which I certainly have been one saying they need to look at other engine configurations, but for me, I'd look at other engine configurations in perhaps the Dunlop series and have the the Dunlop series as a V6 series and the V8 supercar series as the main game. But, of course, I'm on a a, uh, lonely desert island on that one. In theory, it would be nice, but in practical terms, it's never going to happen because... When the new engine configurations get introduced, if they get introduced, which I think in the long term it's pretty much inevitable that it will go to a new engine configuration simply because uh, manufacturers of road cars are turning away from big capacity V8 engines in droves and going to smaller, more technologically advanced uh, you know, engines generally that produce their power by turbocharged means are in a lot more efficient, it's going to cost a fair bit of money to develop these engines for performance, and that's money that is going to be hard enough to be found by the main game teams, let alone the Dunlop or the development series teams. So I think um, what you'll actually see will be the opposite. The new engine configuration, which will probably be smaller capacity, maybe turbocharged engines. Obviously, this is all just speculation, but anyway, it'll find its way into the main game first, so you'll probably have those engines in the main game while the V8s will stick around in the development series for a while. All right, now, just uh, I won't go into this too in too much depth now because we're running out of time, but uh, Lockie, do you think we'll see a Geelong street race? Um, well, it depends on whether or not it gets the necessary support from the local and the state government. And from the perspective of somebody who's passionate about grassroots club-level motorsport, I sincerely hope it doesn't because money that's being spent by governments on a temporary facility that can only be used once a year by a small minority of the motorsport population is money that uh, should be funnelled into permanent facilities that can be used by everybody in the motorsport community all year round. Yep, I agree with that, and that's what happened uh, at the uh, Canberra 400 many, many years ago. Peter, your thoughts on the, uh, whether that'll get up? Uh, I, I, I'm not uh, in tune enough with the Victorian state government uh, finances, and I think that will be the key, whether the uh, the state chip in many millions of dollars to make it happen but i'm going to go out on a limb here and disagree with you guys about the value of uh, a street race we spoke earlier that the v8s have lost their prominence in the uh, general media and uh, joe public Uh, in many respects you've got to take the mountain to the people so that they trip over it and see it and appreciate it Um, if we're uh, racing uh, an hour and a half out of the cbd uh, most people ignore the fact that they're on all right, fair point. Peter Norton, who's going to win this weekend in Perth? Um, I only go for Jason Bright. Brad Jones Racing uh, has shown a bit of speed over in Perth over the years, and uh, I think he's getting a bit of momentum up. All right, then Lachlan Mansell. Uh, Scott McLaughlin to give it some jandal and score Volvo's first championship race victory in uh, a number of years. Mm. Of course, I can't ask you who will win the weekend because that just doesn't happen anymore unless you're in New Zealand where they have a trophy for it. Guys, (laughs) thanks very much for joining us here on the V8 Insiders. Thanks, always a pleasure.
Thanks, fellas. Good fun. What Flag Lap is up next. We speak with the Director of Motorsport for V8 Supercars, Damien White. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. This week on the Munro Shock Absorbers White Flag Lap, Damien White joins us. And Damien, it's been a busy start for you and your team in 2014. The big sigh is because it has been a big year, but look, I don't expect sympathy, um, nor do anyone in my team, because our, our the teams that are actually delivering the show, they are round-the-clock workers, day and night, working hard. So it's hard for everybody, but as the um, racing has demonstrated this year, when you, when you work hard, the results are good. Now, of course, uh, some good news, I guess, to ease the burden a bit is that V8 Supercars are uh, considering putting a technical director back into the mix. Well, yes, that's true. And for for many years before my appointment, um, motorsport department as, as a whole was typically run by um, you know, someone with a technical background. Um, and the appointment, when, when I was made, I have more of a sporting slash operation um, strength yes i can talk understand what not technical aspect but when you separate the department into three core categories of sporting technical and operations um it's evident that in terms of how hard the teams are pushing the rule book how hard teams are pushing what they want to do in a technical capacity just strengthening that part of what we do i mean we have got a don't get me wrong we have got a a group of very talented and, and focused technical people in my department but just to have someone with that senior hand over the top of that I think will um, set us well for the future. It's also going to mean that uh, when teams start to, um, as Smokey Eunuch once said to me, look at the white space between the black, uh, black letters, uh, someone there is going to be pretty quick to be able to make a decision and, and to... And to take away some of that white space yeah i mean the the responsibility of my department is to write the rules with intent and it is the team's responsibility i guess to read the rules with an interpretation and and narrowing that that blurred line i guess between the intent and the interpretation is the responsibility of the department collectively and to have someone who in effect is solely responsible for the technical aspect and the, the way those rules are written, um, will, will benefit everybody. Well, one thing that you just have had to uh, do a bit of work on is, of course, the penalties. And uh, I know for uh, some time when you've spoken, when I've spoken to stewards, they said, oh, well, we did this because it was always a minimum penalty. Now you're saying it's a recommended penalty. And that's a fairly big change, even though it's only one word. It's like our rule book, isn't it? One word can make a massive difference. Um, the positioning of a comma or a full stop can make a huge difference. In terms of the rules, yes, the the, the table of penalties, um, the two big differences we've seen in the last week is, yes, the removal of the word minimum, although it's one word, it's a significant change, and it puts more uh, 
power. It, it just gives the the driving standards observer and the investigating officer, who's Jason Bargwana, in the first instance, it gives him greater flexibility to assess any of those breaches and consider, right, here's the base of where the eight superpowers think this breach should fit, but to what extent did that person breach that rule? Will they have flexibility to adjust that penalty up or down? Um, and then when you move from that phase of the IODSO and move it to the stewards, the stewards have that same document now that they operate with. The second and probably, I think, more significant change than dropping the word minimum was that the document is now available to teams. Um, previously, the, the, the rule in our rule book under the Division B, under Judicial, that citing that document was only available to teams when they requested it during a hearing. Uh, and for me, I've been pushing for a while now that transparency in those areas so the teams and the fans know what guidelines the people in those positions of, of, of authority, official positions are operating under. It, it in some ways protects them against the, the judgment that they've been getting. Uh, it, it's V8 Supercar's responsibility to provide those officials. These are the guidelines that we want you to operate with. So it's actually not the stewards or the IO or the DSO's fault if a claim penalty is given and the fans say, oh, those officials have got no idea, it actually falls back into their supercar's responsibility. So to give those officials a bit more protection by being transparent with what guidelines they're operating under, hopefully we'll deliver those officials with respect that I believe they deserve. That's all we have time for this week. I was to check it Blake Waves over another edition of the VA Insiders. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.